Alright, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe where we serve you delightful, slightly intense, but definitely worthwhile conversations. A podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking, listening, and conversing. So grab your favorite drink and let's see what's on today's menu. Alright, people, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe. You are on episode 59. Episode 59 is Fade into the Black. You know here at the cafe, we always have a conversation centered around the drink. And today I am drinking on my usual, that is some bourbon, boom, 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 with a little ginger ale up in there. And then I also have my trusty cup with my trusty H2O in there. Alright, so today I am joined by a special guest. That special guest is way down there in that state that's trying to get rid of every book available. That is Florida. And my guest is Mikael. Say hello, Mikael. Hey, everyone. How are you? All right, Mikael. So we already said that you are in in Florida, but did you get the drinks that we sent you so that you could participate in today's podcast, bro? Um, I mean, I have a drink, but you didn't send anything, but it's gin and tonic. Cheers to you. Cheers to you. Now, my understanding, before we get into the main topic, my understanding, kind sir, is that you know how to speak another language. Is that accurate? Yes. All right. So we're going to put it to the test. I want you to say in your language, welcome to Peeps Creek, where you can drink, listen, and converse. Got it? You know, um, that you, might be a little hard. Why? You don't know your language for real? I don't know how to say welcome. I mean, you can say hello. It's the same thing, right? Basically. Okay. Are you ready? We put you- sure. All right. I'm going to count down from three. Okay. That means I'm going backwards. Three, two, one. But I'm going to try my best. I don't know. I mean, I can't judge you because I don't know the language. Three, two, <laughs> and one. Kamosta, everyone. Oh, I can't. I stop. I'm bilingual. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> All right, wait. English wait, is let, like my first language now. Uh, I don't know. I forgot. Yo, no, no, I no. don't know some of the words anymore. I forgot because I've been speaking English for so long. So you're really not bilingual is what I understand. I mean, you forget if you don't practice, right? Uh, are you bilingual or not, sir? That's the question. I mean, I'm like, English is probably my primary language now. And then my Tagalog is like, it's lessening. It's starting to become like in the lower grade All right. skill level. Okay. <laughs> All right. So anyhow, so Mikel is down there in Clearwater, Florida. Um, let me ask this. When, when COVID was really popping off, you all in Florida felt like there was no such thing as COVID. Were you out there still like at the beach and at the clubs and all of that during the height of COVID-19? Um, I think there was a bad reputation from the media that they people were going out and about because it's open and there's the beaches and it's warm weather. But personally, I work in the hospital, so I had to kind of um, watch out. Oh, so, and... now, so now you try to say it was fake news? I mean, because I I saw we saw a lot I, it's video just, images of people out there. It's just, just highlighted in some certain area, but a lot of people I feel like in my work profession we were all following. Was it mandatory for you to get the vaccine? Yes. 
smoke alarm because of the hookah. Hold on. Oh my god. Now let me ask this question. If you were not required to take the COVID nineteen vaccine, would you have taken it? You don't have to share if you don't want to. If you feel like it's personal, it's fine. Um I made a personal choice that if the vaccine didn't work or I lost like a limb or an organ, I think it was for a science. Okay. So you were okay with it? Yes. So <clears throat> now we met in Albuquerque. My understanding is that you came to Albuquerque from Kansas City. Is that right? Yes. All right. And is that Kansas City, Missouri or Kansas City, Kansas? Kansas City, Kansas, the good side. <laughs> okay. And why do you say it's the good side? Uh, it was just a talk in town where everybody was like, you know, if you're with Kansas City, Missouri, it's like not the good part. And we were in the good side, I guess. No. Just like hmm. roads, schooling, all of that kind of adds up. Okay. And what made you come to Albuquerque? I, I, that I never really, I never really asked. What well, made y'all come to Albuquerque? My mom got married and met this guy in Kansas. And then um, after they got married, he had a job in Albuquerque. So he had to move there. And my mom also moved. But me, oh. I stayed behind. But uh, after a year or so, I followed up. You were in school in Kansas. Is that right? Yes. And what were you taking? Initially, I was taking like science stuff and then I got bored you, with it. You, you thought you were going to be a doctor? Um, some, some in the medical field, which I'm in the medical field right now. I mm -hmm. turn around mm -hmm. and, um, and I just got bored with it. I just didn't like it. Um, just the repetition of like taking the classes, the science class and math class, and then just, you know, passing the exam and that's it. It was just, there was no creative outlet. And so did you, did you always have this sense that you were creative? Like you had to have a passion. I, I had to develop it on my own. Like it wasn't kind of like enforced or like given to me freely. I had to like hunt for it and look for it for myself. How did you even know to look for it? Was it like, well, I mean, it, innately, I feel like I come was on, innately, come on, I bruh, just with your have... vocabulary. Go ahead. I have a thing about just like, you know, making myself presentable to others and helping others. I, I see a lot of people like, hey, you can dress this way. You can put your hair this way. So it's kind of like even like a stylist, like branding. I feel I just see a lot of uh, positivity for, for people that's lacking in those departments to kind of suggest. And... Mm -hmm. For people lacking in that department. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, people who can't dress or who you felt um, needed some style tips, you would just periodically reach out to them. Were they receptive of that? Like, I mean, I mean give me I, an example of how you would have done I have that. To, I <clears throat> have to befriend these people and like, and then they see that, you know, I'm kind of like on top of my styling or stylist or I'm just stylish. And then they ask me, you know, opinion. And then I need to find a common ground that they trust me for me to give them my advice. Okay. So did you switch from science to then yes. a, a major of styling people? Like what? Um, Like fashion design. 
fashion design. Okay, so that means that you were making items or what? Yeah, I was. I learned the whole thing, like drawing, which I love doing, and making the clothes from sewing from scratch, like cutting it, and you know, there's a lot of things that goes with it, uh, from the development and the finished product. So you and fitting, and you were making your own clothes, right? Yes. So when I met Mikael, he was making clothes. He used to wear um, very skinny jeans. Uh, actually, I think your jeans would be young skinny. They were like, um, like long jeans almost. <laughs> <laughs> Jack. And so you also kind of had this like fashion show competition in school, right? Yeah. You want to tell the people about it, what your theme was like, you know? Um, well, I was just trying to make something like wearable luxury kind of clothing um, that's people able to spend. But I tried to put a lot of like details into it, like embroidery, piping, and like, a, and a little bit luxurious fabrics. And wh so, what's piping? Piping is someone that's like in between the seams. Um, you put like a little, I think there's like a, a rope and a fabric and you uh, stitch them together. It's, it just gives it a little bit of attention to details. And it helps with the form of the item or what? No, it's just literally on the seams. There is like a fabric, a rope and a fabric, and it just kind of outlines the seam. And it's just attention to details, practically, literally attention to details, like embroidery. You know what I mean? Personalization. And it and kind of gives you an ump of like in the fashion world. All right. So I remember, and I don't even know where my jacket is. Actually, I remember you did make me a, a oh, like yeah. a tuxedo jacket. Do you remember? Yeah. That brown, that brown tuxedo jacket. Now, yeah, but I think there was a piping in it too. Did you pay so, me for it? Yeah, I gave you like fifty dollars. No, I don't think so. I think I gave it to you for your birthday, I believe. Yeah, that's true. All right. So let's talk a little bit. Um, about something that's a little more sensitive to the topic, fade into black. Let me put it back up here. Part of the reason I did this was also because, you know, I know you, right? Uh, <laughs> so, you really know me that well? Nah, but I know you enough to know there are certain topics that are sensitive <laughs> that you don't really like to talk about, but you are being open um, up and willing to talk about sensitive topics, and so I felt like this was a good topic. All right, so we talked about the fact that you are from, well, we didn't say you're from the Philippines, but you are from Philippines, right? Mm -hmm. You moved to Kansas when you were what? Um, 11 years old, I believe. 10, 11. Okay. And why did you come here? Did you come here for a vacation? What was going no, on? I came here for my mom's job. She has like a specialty job. Was there any conversation with you that you recall about whether or not you wanted to come here? Um, well, my whole entire family started to come to America with this specialty job visa. And that's it was just trickling down to one by one and asking uh, my family members to come to America that it's a little bit better. So you came here, you were 11, you went to Kansas. Um, and you stayed in Kansas for, what, 14, 15 years? Yeah. When did you find out that um, 
you didn't enjoy some of the same things that people who grew up here enjoyed? Uh, well, I guess, you know, uh, middle school when everyone's trying to get their um, per- driver's license permit. Okay. And I wanted to be part of it. You know, operating a vehicle was like a big task. And well, so kinda... how, wait, wait, wait. How old were you? Because I didn't try to do anything with driving until high school. Like 14, 15, I believe that's when you were able to get a driver's permit. Wait, you were in middle school? Yeah. What, were you held back? No. Are you sure? Eighth what? grade, you had to have been 13 or 14. Yeah. But you couldn't do driver's ed to 15, which is high school. Most middle schools don't have driver's ed. Did well, you go maybe... to a school that had both middle school and high school? No, I guess maybe it's in freshman year. All I right. don't know. Yeah, somewhere around there. Okay, so you're around 14, 15. Let's just yes. go with something a little more conservative here. You're about 15, and then you wanted to participate and get your license. And so what happened? Um, so just requirements of just identification um, from the DMV. I had to gather those information and ask my parents about it. And so how did that, how did that conversation unfold? Um, she tried her best to like, give me the documentation, I believe. And I don't think it was like good enough. I I was lacking some information, some documentation. And that's when I started digging up to, um, you know, documentation and to just obtain a driver's license when you started digging up information to obtain the driver's license, what did you ultimately find out? It seems like I was, there was some lacking. And then that's when I started finding out about like my immigration status and understanding about it. And it just, there were some holes that I couldn't figure it out. Okay. And how from my age, when you say mission documentation, was it lost or like, I don't know. I guess a simple, like, um, I don't, I don't know, just documentation, like, um, you know, social security, I guess. I think that's what they, they were asking and like passport and, um, I don't know, like authorization that I was supposed to be here legally, something like that along the lines. All right. And so at some point in time, did you find out that you were undocumented? Yeah, I think it was more in like um, going to college. All right. And how did that first of all, let me ask this question before we talk about um, what, you know, the hurdles and all that. How did you feel or how did that impact you once you became aware of that? I mean, I was definitely devastated because, you know, I wanted to live a normal college life i think that definitely hold me back a lot of just um people are you know doing this college thing and you know doing the dorm and all that and working and able to afford it like i wasn't able to like work if i when i needed to when i want to with the legal age and then just i had to go through this whole documentation requirement in college which was so annoying. I I understand that you had to go through and it was a hassle, but did that make you feel at any point that you were less than? Yeah, I guess so. 
Like I, I just couldn't um, fulfill the things that I want to do. I mm. was taken back, and since I don't have enough documentation to present. And so, what did you do? I mean, I asked, like you know, my parents first off, and then they did help and asked a lawyer to to explain it to me and things like that. And then that's when I found out more. And then I did my own little like research online. I mean, you know, the World Wide Web is out there and it's kind of sort of self-explanatory if you just like, you know, research on your own. So that's when I started researching. And even in college, that's when I started researching about like um, universities that's friendly to undocumented and able to get like, you know, in-state tuition and all that. So, but still I was like navigating through the admission office and you know being weirded out and like silence and passing on the documentation you know those are very awkward moments for me and when you say silence do you are you saying people were silencing you or you felt like you didn't have a voice because you didn't I have the necessary paperwork i just didn't want to talk about it i feel like you know i've been here and live here and i just I never really talk about it. I never disclosed it. I feel like maybe I was embarrassed, but at the same time, I wasn't. But I don't think it was necessary for me to like tell people. Why now then? Why are you talking about it now? Um, because you asked me to do this podcast. <laughs> Ultimately, you could have said no. I mean, yeah. Right? You could have not showed up, right? Um. And so do you feel that you're now a little more empowered to talk about it now? Or does it still give you kind of anxiety or issues of talking about it? I guess it's it's that time. I It's due time that I just need to start talking about it and just release that um, feeling that I just need to share it to the world. Okay. And, and, and <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I can't pretend that I understand being in that situation, but how did that impact your relationship with your family? If at all, I mean, maybe it didn't, maybe it did. It did impact um, my relationship with my mom because I felt like she just didn't take care of her kids well being growing up. I just felt like. You know, from a person that's like highly educated, she should have had like lots of backup plan if plan A, B, C didn't work out. You know, um, she's a medical doctor. I feel like she's smart. And bringing somebody to a different country without any backup plan, if it didn't work out, I feel like it's very selfish as a parent. Mm -hmm. And I. Uh, my relationship with my mother, I love her to death, but I'm just a little bit taken back about it. Like, I just don't, it's still like a growing thing with me and my mom that we're just um, distant. I don't know if she knows about it, but I just have to act like this. Like, I feel like, you know, what I said is like, if you're a parent, you should know how to take care of your kids' well-being. Am I hearing that you never really had the open conversation with your mom about how you feel? I have. She's upset about it and she takes full responsibility, but she really can't do anything about it. You know, mm. it's off of her hands. And what I'm just upset is like, I wish she should have had a better plan. Like I said, plan A, B and C.
how do you know she didn't have A, B, and C? And, and because a, I found B, that. Wait, I wait, found wait, that wait. So are you saying that you felt that she should have communicated and apprised you of your situation so that you could then prepare yourself to navigate through this yes. world that yes. you have to operate under? Yes. All right. So you is, got it. So <laughs> is there a sense of resentment that you feel for her? I mean, it might be a slight resentment, but um, I just like to keep my distance. It's my own truth, mm-hmm. how I treat my mom. Mm-hmm. So, And um, you have a brother. Yeah. Have you ever talked to your brother about how you feel? Yeah, and- definitely. We all share it. We have, like, my cousin. There's, like, four of us in the same situation. Okay. And- all decide- our parents brought us here in America and um for a better job but the job that they're supposed to be passing they were supposed to be able to move into like a green card holder and all of that but you know those people didn't really pass because i understand it's hard Mm -hmm. so how do you feel about um people who say well particularly for for individuals who come here as children right i mean the reality is is that you didn't have a choice, right? If you didn't want to come here, it's not like you could have told your mom, I'm staying in the Philippines, right? Because you, I'm assuming you couldn't do that. Is is that accurate? It, well, um, to go back to it, I feel like she should have like had plans. And if anything, all of those faults are here in America. I, this, I kind of wanted to go back home and then figuring it out with the whole college thing and going through that and then maybe coming back to America. Coming here at 11, did you have this feeling? Or are you saying now once you became of age where you understood the ramifications of how you came here, that you became a little more like she should have did X, Y, and Z so that I can then make a plan of going back? I think it's the second one that you're describing. It's pretty accurate. How do you feel about people who say particularly when it comes to immigration, right? That you should get in line and you should wait your line. There's no reason that you should have any kind of special privilege as a person who came here as a kid who didn't have a choice as, you know, to make the decision to come here. How do you feel about people who say that? Like get in line, get in immigration line and things of that nature. I understand what they're saying. Um, I believe that they're talking about just the law and following the law. I definitely I believe in that. But within the family unit, I feel like we should have had a conversation of how to go about it moving forward, the positivity about it. I feel like we just never had, as a family unit, had that conversation. It was just kind of like put aside and drawn out. And that's when I started, you know, having issues like, you know, going to college, driving, going to work. I wasn't able to work like maybe when I was like, I don't even know. Well, my 20s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, my parents were just like supporting me. And it's starting to get annoying. Like, I want to work. I want to make my own money. And mm-hmm. like, fast forward to that when I was able to get DACA, like, I applied for it and worked my ass off because I just want to hustle and make my own money. Mm-hmm. But internally like as a family unit we never had that conversation of how to go about and tackle this issue it was very silent which was i was so annoyed and frustrated i i do think there is value in having open conversations right but i also think there's value in pushing back and 
taking a different perspective. So I'm going to push back a little bit. Not sure. because, not because, and I, you know, not because I, I'm trying to devalue what you're saying. Your feelings are value. Okay. I'm a herd. <laughs> <laughs> They're valid, but I, I do want to push back a little bit. So when you talk about, you know, internally, you, as a family unit that you all didn't have these discussions as smart as your mom may be, it's in the medical field. She's not a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. And the immigration laws are so broken, right? That even a smart person, even lawyers have difficulty navigating through the immigration process, right? So is it, do you think it's fair to blame her for not having a, B, and C options for you when she's coming into an environment, A, she's not from America. She's coming into an environment where she is thriving professionally. She came here under a specialty visa. She brought her children here so that they can experience a different perspective and a different world, um, a different living arrangement. But not knowing how to navigate through the immigration system, is that her fault? I mean, have you thought about it from that regard as well um, at all? And and, and, and I, again, I want to make clear that I'm not trying to invalidate how you feel because your feelings are valid. How you feel about the situation, definitely valid. I'm not trying to invalidate that. So I want to make that clear. But have you thought about that perspective that it's just difficult to freaking navigate through? I understand what you're saying, but I kind of see this in a different perspective where as a parent in general, you want the best for your kids. And then you help them navigate different situations. As smart as my mom, um, I felt like she was thrown into this different culture, um, di- lack of resources, and just having insightful ideas of how to pass through this immigration. You know, I felt like I found out when I was doing my research, like first I could go back home and study there and mm-hmm. just live a f- um, live a life that was very sustainable and able for me to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and second, um, my f- extended family was here already and they've been here legally. They could have adopted us. Mm-hmm. We were in that legal age to be adopted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and thirdly, like I felt like as a family unit, we should have had a conversation with all of those options, what we were going to do, and then follow through with that plan. Mm-hmm. But do you think that you would have been able to receive and understand those parameters or you know those complicated issues at such a yeah. young age? I feel like if we as a family unit, how hard or less of an issue, if we all start talking about it, it will definitely make that individual person open and Mm -hmm. grow up because Mm -hmm. they're going to need to decide. I -hmm. felt like my family as a unit, they just sheltered us and then didn't give us a lot of information about immigration that it definitely carried through college and adulthood. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I've been, I've, I got hold back. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's just like my irritation with myself and my family. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm freaking, you know, 
smart enough and very well versed individual. And I just, I mean, I could have been a fucking doctor when I, if I was like in the Philippines. I feel like it. Mm-hmm. And a Mason and cute one too. Oh my God. Okay. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's I just mean, a perspective. I don't know. It's the world out there. You know, I mean, I did it in high school. I mean, I did it, I got good you know, GPA or so and things like that. I mean, I've taken all the classes as much as I can for pre-med, but, you know, I just had, I felt like I was hold back, honestly, growing up in my immigration to have a well-deserving development in college and then adulthood. And I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. All right. And so let me give you a slight compliment. Um, Sure. (laughs) Because your head is already big. I, I will no, say it's that not. I, it's just confident. John. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. I will say um, that you've always, it, in spite of your situation, you always found ways to be positive for yourself, motivating for yourself, looking for other ways to not seem like you're always in the shadows, right? That back to the topic of fading into the black shadows are normally dark. And most people don't even think about their shadows. Right. And a lot of folks who are undocumented, I know quite a few, um, who are undocumented. Some folks come here because, you know, they come here because their parents bring them, right? Some people come here because if they stay where they are more likely than not, they're not going to be here any longer. Right. And so they decide to go into these, you know, tumultuous type of travels and have to pay people fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars just to bring them here. Like I know people who literally work three to four jobs to not so that they can come here and like, you know, go and look good and buy clothes so that they could pay the people who brought them here, right? Because they still owe folks, right? So yes. I, I I, mean, I get it, I understand it. That's crazy. Um, and so I, you know, I, I, first of all, I commend you for, you know, despite your situation, always pushing forward. I also wanna thank you for being open enough to share on this platform, your situation. I know you don't talk about it, right? Um, and you could have easily said, get the hell out of here, fuck off, right? <laughs> Let's talk about something like Real Housewives or something, even though I don't watch it anymore. Um, but you didn't. You chose to sit down into this particular sensitive topic. Um, and so I just want to say thank you for doing that, because I, I think it's something that you should be you shouldn't be ashamed of it. Right. Um, it, it It is what it is. You had no choice in the situation at the time. No, thank you. Just give me some money for this gig, please. Yeah, I'll send you four. I'll send you like five dollars so you can get uh, some some ice for your gin and tonic. All right. Now, <laughs> <laughs> say what? Now, what I do want to talk about this this particular topic. I I understand that your mom and your father, your stepdad, kind of have more of these conservative values. Okay. Would you agree? Yeah, where are you going with this? How does I, that make you feel, though, about the immigration, their views on immigration? Uh, it's they just uh, neglect, standoffish. They don't want to hear about it. But how does that make you feel? I mean, not they're not helpful. 
like it was you know i just also wanted to let you know like my stepdad is white um he's a little bit his personality is a little bit different um he just don't understand as well but my mom was helpful as much as she can but it wasn't enough that's why i kind of sort of keep saying she was lacking in the parent department you should know the well-being of your kids top to bottom mm-hmm. you should always know what your kids well-being mm-hmm. um okay so now you are a recipient of daca um i recall when daca first started which was under obama um in albuquerque mm-hmm. um and you was able to get an employment authorization how did that how did receiving that card make you feel? I think I probably cried. I was just able to like um, jumpstart my life. Yeah. And you've been able to continuously do that. The process of receiving that document initially, it made you feel a certain way, but do you feel some kind of way about it now? Um, I mean... Politics-wise, from my understanding, they don't want to tackle this whole immigration thing. It's been going on for so long about this DACA, the undocumented, to like, hey, there's so many, there's millions of them. We need to do something about it. And from my understanding, it's just nothing is happening in Congress. There's no movement currently, and it's um, it's, it's not in their list. Mm-hmm. to accomplish the Congress, GOP or, you know, Republicans or Democrat. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's in their um, list of to tackle every year. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody, something happened, if, you know, a president push it or, I don't know, like just some immigration catastrophe, like from the North and the South. I feel like if that happens, Congress will do something about it. Mm-hmm. You have to renew every two years. Yes. That process eventually weighed down on you mentally. I mean, I initially like was on top of it, but I think this is my third time getting a DACA. And it just kind of just weigh on you. Just like, man, it's just the uncertainty, uncertainty of just like when you're, uh, status and you have to go through all of these steps like you know filing the form paying like $500 and you kind of have to like also weigh with your uh, with your work like you know hey there's a lot of uncertainty of just like hey what if the paperwork didn't come in the right time and then you're just like freaking out like seriously I hate the uncertainty of like able to receive the documentation back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. sitting here now in 2022 from the first time that you you received your DACA do you feel a difference about your situation bad good or indifferent I think I guess it's like my mindset is like messing me up with going through the process I feel like I just um, I'm getting tired of it of applying every two years and I'm trying to, you know, accomplish like a two-year 
goals and I feel like I just have to have that uncertainty with the last six months of that two years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I guess I just have to be a little bit better of like um, planning things. But, you know, I guess emotion do kicks in. I get it. But I do feel kind of sad sometimes in the last six months that I have to keep doing this again and again and again. It's just a repetition to just work. And that's kind of annoying me and messing me up mentally. Yeah. So if you were able to speak to every individual, whoever may hear this, look at this or whatever, and they say, well, this guy just seems unappreciative of the fact that he can work. What mm. would you say? I I don't know what they're talking about. Like, I feel like I, I work my butt off since I had my work authorization nonstop. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think I, I, I'm not appreciative about it. Like I appreciate it like a lot. And I, I wish everybody has the same mindset as me. Like if you're in that predicament, do as much as you can to grab as much goals as you can in that two years. And it's a cycle. Like, like I keep saying and emphasizing is um, it, it sucks in the last six months. You kind of have to hold on and do the whole application again. I mean, it's just a cycle, but at the same time, you know, everyone reacts to it differently. I react to it a little bit differently and I need to tackle that mindset to be, make it more positive. I mean, but to be fair, you are entitled to your feelings. I mean, yeah. you're, you're the one who's going through it. It's not that you, I, I mean, the way I look at it is, I can't speak for you, but the way I look at it, it's not a level of being unappreciative. I think it's just the mental drain of the unknown. And I think you already said that you use uncertainty, right? There's always the fear of the unknown. What happens if this? What happens if X? What happens if my paperwork isn't viewed in time by, you know, the people here? Like what folks don't realize is that you are at the hem of other folks, right? It's not yeah. like you, you know what I mean? It's not like you are trying to be on the radar and not pay your taxes and trying to, you know, trying to skimp through the system. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a process. Um, and so, I mean, I don't have any words of wisdom. I don't, I mean, it, I, I, I'm not in that situation, but what I can say is, is that just you can fight for us, little people. <laughs> Use you your should, knowledge. You should continue to keep your head up. A. B. You should stay motivated um, and doing what you're doing. And just note that, you know, this too shall pass. I know it's been a long time. It's not Biggie. That's the Bible. This too shall pass. I feel like that's JC or Biggie. No, I feel like that's. Um, Black people church because that's where I that's where I get it. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those artists. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, so yeah, so anyhow, I want to I want to um, thank you for having this conversation. I know it's not something that you really want to talk about, but I appreciate you doing that. All right, so for those of you who out there are listening or looking, you can hit us up on Facebook. You can look at the video on Facebook at peeps creek cafe you can 
follow us, like us, share us on IG, Twitter, and Twitch at Peeps Creek. That's the title. Um, on YouTube, it is Peeps Creek Podcast. You can go on our website. We have all the videos and the transcriptions and the audio and all that available there. You can go there. You can send us an email. Maybe you want to be on the show and you want to talk about um, any of the topics that we talk about. You can send us an email. We can do that. We can do it virtually just like we're doing it right here. And all of the links to the audio, the video, social and all that is available right there. Boom, boom, boom. All right. So once again, this is episode 59. Episode 59 is Fade Into the Black Mikael, I want to thank you for allowing me to um, tell your story. I feel like I'm um, on Dateline or like NBC News or CBS. Uh, thank you for um, sharing your story. Thank you for being uh, a open, open, and just you know, Admirable. willing to to no, willing to have the conversation, <laughs> right? Um, because at the end of the day, conversations matter, right? Conversations can, conversation. conversations can move the needle. Conversations can get people to recognize differences, respect differences, understand differences, even if they may not ultimately agree with your opinion about it. But it's all yeah. about starting the conversation. Um, so, yeah, so I appreciate you being there. Again, here at Peeps Creek, you know, we always have that drink. Boom, boom, boom. Look at this. Ha, nearly done. This bourbon. Hold on. Let me see it nearly done all right and once again Mikhail, where is your drink kind sir boom almost done too that gin and tot. you want to say anything um everyone i love you guys thank you for listening okay boom all right until next time make sure that you continue to drink listen and converse peace and love